0: superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome into Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here along with Pat Fitzmaurice and Billy Musio, And today is our ranking show. We'll be going through the Fantasy Pros rankings tiers for week 13. We are happy to be back after Thanksgiving. We took a short break, but we're here again. And Pat and Billy are ready to provide their thoughts and analysis on the players in all of our tiers. And there is no better pair to provide analysis on these rankings because Billy was the number four overall most accurate in-season fantasy football ranker in 2022 and has done consistently well in our accuracy competition. Fitz was the most accurate in-season weekly ranker in 2020 and has been consistently among the most accurate rankers in fantasy football. You can find Billy at FFMuseo. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Time. So get ready Get ready, we are diving right in here because it is a crazy bye week and we've got a ton to cover, big injuries as well, and this is going to definitely help you with your fantasy matchups this week. Now, before we get started, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications, and we've got our top 20 here. Our consensus ranking scan tiers can be found at fantasypros.com slash rankings. Running backs. Now, Pat, looking at this top 20 here, who really stands out to you in this top 20?
2: Austin Eckler at running back six. Um, Oh, man. Since coming back from his ankle injury in week six, Eckler is averaging 3.2 yards per carry and hasn't had more than 67 rushing yards in any game. Only once during that seven-game stretch has he exceeded 48 receiving yards in a game. Uh, Eckler's RB 21 in fantasy points per game since week six. RB 21. He just has not looked good. The usual Austin Eckler burst hasn't been there. But I mean, apparently he is a sacred cow among our rankers and and they don't want to move him out of the top 10. But uh, we've we've got no sacred cows on this show, Billy and Tara. So uh, I've got Eckler ranked RB 11 this week. And even that feels generous, quite honestly. Billy, where, where do you have Eckler this week?
3: Uh, I got him closer to you. I think I'm about RB 10. Yep. RB 10. So we're, we're, we're in lockstep here.
1: Yeah. I'm with you guys. And I hate it because I love Austin Eckler, but something just is not right. The production just isn't there. And at some point you got to be flexible and say, he's no longer one of those top guys, those top five that we can rely on. Billy, what about you? What stands out here in this top 20?
3: So David Montgomery seems just getting the, the disrespect with the rankers as of late. He comes in as RB15. The last couple of weeks has floated between... Uh, Ecr of RB 15 and RB 20. Uh, however, during the span of weeks 10 through 12, he has finished as the RB 4, and his fellow backmate Jameer Gibbs has finished as the RB 2 during that span. So it's clear and evident that this backfield is supporting two RB ones, and I think that trend continues regardless of matchups. The O line is just this good. Uh, they are lacking, you know, target competition, so they're utilizing Jameer Gibbs that way, and then we're seeing a lot of david montgomery uh, on one two downs and goal lines so this is a pretty clear backfield both of them should be inside the top 12 on a week-to-week basis Uh, and i just think that david montgomery needs a little more respect on the name three straight touchdowns in three straight weeks and he has seen 12 to 15 touches in all in all three weeks and 71 yards or more in all three weeks so give the man some respect
1: I agree with you. And, you know, possibly game script proof as well. We saw the Packers jump on the Lions there and it didn't deter the fantasy points for those running backs either. So it's something to consider moving forward. Before we dive in again, you know, reminder here for in-depth analysis for any of these players, go to fantasypros.com rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you are using our My Playbook app but before we dive into this first tier here, I, we got to cover the big injury news. Jonathan Taylor, the injury in, in Zach Moss stepping into this RB1 role. And this is not brand new territory. We have seen this before, but things could be different now. So I'm, I'll start off with you, Pat. How are you ranking Moss this week?
2: I have him RB ten just ahead of Austin Eckler. We know he's going to get a lot of work, and he did earlier this season when Jonathan Taylor was on injured reserve. Um, and while the matchup against Tennessee doesn't seem like a good one, let's not forget that when Moss faced the Titans in Week Five, he had 165 rushing yards, 30 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. So, um, and not a matchup I'm I'm fearing. And, uh, you know, we know the usage is going to be good both in the running game and the passing game. Like, he was getting targeted quite a bit when he had that workhorse role earlier in the season.
1: Yeah, you know, this Colts backfield seems a little matchup, um, not dependent on matchups. Even in bad matchups, they can absolutely thrive. Billy, where are you um, putting Zach Moss this week?
3: I have a little bit more hesitation with the matchup. I I do think that... um, Pat brings up a good point with the two touchdowns and, you know, 165 yards on the ground versus them last time. But uh, I think over the last few weeks, just watching tape, Moss just hasn't looked quite as good as he did earlier in the season. Um, I know, uh, you know, zero running back truthers are rejoicing right now, being able to insert him back into the lineups. Um, but I, I do think that we see a little bit of Trey Sermon. Uh, I don't think he's going to steal touches all that much, but I do think it'll be, uh, I don't think we're going to see the, you know, 30 touches like we saw in week 3 with Zach Moss, the the 23 touches that we saw, you know, against Tennessee in week 5. I think he's probably going to settle in that 16 to 18 range and I do think that's going to hinder the upside of him against Tennessee.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So RB- Bad- RB17, sorry. RB17, <laughs> yes. I'm um, still strong, still a strong must start kind of situation, especially on bye weeks here. We're, we're not turning our nose up to these running backs with aggressive workloads. And it appears that Trey Sermon is the only guy that will kind of factor in there. And we haven't really seen Trey Sermon really be a factor in general. So this is a good spot for him. You know, whether you're on Pat's side or Billy's side here, you know, strong RB2, potential RB1. We are using him this week. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into this B minus tier here. It's got Najee Harris, Devin Singletary, Joe Mixon, and Zach Charbonnet. We're going to start off here right at the top in this year and talk about Najee Harris. We saw the new look. It's a new look. I'm going to consider it the new look Pittsburgh Steelers post Matt Canada. Um, maybe we can insert like clapping sounds because I think everyone is rejoicing over the change here that we have in Pittsburgh. And when we're looking at Najee Harris and, you know, coming off an interesting week here um, where he was well, well utilized. And he's at RB22 in ECR. Pat, you were a little bit more skeptical here around him. Not a time, just a little bit at RB26. Billy, you're right on there with ECR with him at RB21. Uh, Billy, I'll start off with you. RB21 here. What level uh, are you trusting with uh, Najee Harris this week? Do you think the usage for him is kind of going to repeat?
3: Trust and the Steelers in fantasy just don't go hand in hand. Uh, I don't think it's it's necessarily a trust factor, but it it breaks down to he's seen consistent volume, despite the fact that Jalen Warren was named a starter a couple weeks ago. Um, I think we discussed this on the podcast last time. I just didn't feel like it was going to be a – you know, starter role versus a backup role, and that we could see a potential Najee being inserted on goal lines, inserted on short yardage, and get his standard twelve to sixteen touches. Um, that being said, that's what we saw. Um, they continue to rotate them in. It was kind of an attaboy boy start, um, as as we as we stated it would be, and and so I think this new look offense is going to go back to Najee. Um, In that capacity, it's not going to change all too much because it's working. You know, we're going to use Jalen Warren on packages, we're going to utilize him um, and and keep the hot hand approach and we're going to take Najee down to the goal line. So again, this breaks down to me just liking the goal line role. Um, We have seen five touchdowns since week seven with Najee um, on, on the ground. We've seen 12 to 16 touches every single week. And so I, I think that it's 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 enough to get him in that RB2 category. And it's not enough to trust him, but um, I think it's uh, plug and play at flex or, or the, your, your RB2 if you need someone.
1: Are you ranking Jalen Warren behind him or ahead of him?
3: I've ranked Jalen Warren behind Najee every week this year except for one week. And so I have him behind him again this week.
1: All right, Pat. What about you? How are you? You're a little bit more skeptical around Najee Harris' usage. What's what's the downside here with him?
2: I am, and I'm uh, I'm below consensus with both Jalen Warren and Najee, and I do have Jalen Warren ahead of Najee this week. Um, I, I guess just the fact that it is a split backfield, even though the matchup is really good against Arizona, and it can support to, uh, you know, two good weeks for both of these guys. I don't know. I mean, like, Billy makes a good point about the usage being pretty consistent in the running game. Uh, But Najee has become kind of a zero as a a pass catcher. Uh, Like, he gets a smattering of targets, but he's averaged just 4.3 yards per target this year. That's not very good. Um, I'm I'm basically just worried that with things getting divided pretty evenly between the two backs, uh, there's just not real smash potential here with Najee unless he gets into the end zone a couple of times.
1: Touchdown dependent makes complete sense there. Moving on to the next player that we want to kind of cover here in the B minus tier. We got Devin Singletary here. Devin Singletary coming in at RB21 in ECR. And Pat and Billy are lockstep on this one a little bit further back than ECR, both having him at RB24. This is an interesting situation because... Theoretically, Denver has been a good matchup in terms of volume for opposing running backs, but touchdowns typically aren't there. Uh, The Denver defense has been very stout. We did see Devin Singletary still maintain the majority of workload, but we don't know if that necessarily from my perspective is going to stick because that was Damian Pierce coming fresh off of an injury. I'll start off with you, Pat. How much are you trusting Devin Singletary this week? And is Damian Pierce playing a factor here and you ranking him a little bit further back in ECR?
2: Yeah, I mean, Pierce does play a little bit of a, a factor, Tara, although um, Singletary out-snapped Pierce 49-11 to last week. Maybe they increase Pierce's workload a little bit now that he's had that game back to uh, kind of get his wind back. Um, but, I mean, Singletary's had a snap share of 75% or higher in four straight games. The matchup is good against Denver, so uh, why am I not higher on him? Uh, part of it is that... He had a uh, season-high seven targets last week, Singletary did, but he hasn't drawn more than two targets in any other game all season. And will he be the goal-line guy for the Texans now that Pierce is back? Uh, Pierce is 5'10", 218 pounds. Singletary, 5'7", 203 pounds. As good as the usage has been for Singletary lately, I guess I'm not totally convinced it stays this way. Um, not that I'm trying to talk anyone out of starting Singletary this week. In a 16-by-week, uh, he's he's a pretty appealing option if he's your RB2 or a flex guy. But um, yeah, I, I like him. I'm just not totally convinced the usage remains the same.
1: Billy, how are you approaching Devin Singletary this week?
3: Pat sums it up pretty well. The, the concern is with Damon Pierce, uh, and it is purely on goal lines and short distance snaps. Uh, Last week, Damon Pearson only saw 19%. I think he's being eased back into things, and it's hard to ignore the success that Devin Singletary has had. Uh, And when we look at those 19 snaps, 17% of them were on short down distances. And so I think that this is a consistent theme. I think Singletary is going to play between the 20s and probably get some some goal line sprinkles and packages. But when it gets down to short yardage and inside the goal line, I think Damon Pierce is probably going to be the back that punches in the touchdown, which will limit Singletary's upside. And to Pat's point, the 21% target share last week was the season high for Devin Singletary. Prior to that, three straight weeks of 5% target share. And so it's going to have to be on the ground and it's going to have to be between the twenties for him to get it done.
1: Yeah. I'm with you guys. I've been a little bit, I was a little bit skeptical this week and I'm a little bit more skeptical or a little bit skeptical last week and then more skeptical this week. The combination of the potential lack of goal line touches, those short yardage work and depending on him to be relevant in the past game where we've got the wide receivers dominating and CJ Stroud airing it out just makes it feel a little bit risky here. Before we move on to our next tier, can you believe that we are this deep into the NFL season? We got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game day. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot to win big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any matchup. Maybe you want to look at lines for some of the players that we're covering today, like Najee Harris, depending on how you feel about him or how you're taking away analysis from Pat and Billy. You can do that on DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours.
0: com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com/footballterms.
1: All right, moving on to the C plus tier here. It is a small tier, but potentially impactful tier here with James Connor, Jerome Ford, and AJ Dillon all RB ones here in this C plus tier. And because of that, we're going to take a moment here and kind of talk about two of these guys in this tier. James Connor is the first one that we want to cover here. James Connor, the, the workhorse running back there in Arizona, but is it really amounting to what we were hoping for out of him? ECR has him at RB24. Pat and Billy again. You guys are identical again at RB27. Pat, I will start off with you. Talk to us about James Connor.
2: Yeah, so you use the term workhorse, Tara, and that has been uh, a good way to define James Conner, but now I'm a little worried about the usage, and uh, maybe he's not going to be a workhorse the rest of the way. Granted, last week's game script was a bad one for Conner with the Cardinals getting blown out by the Rams 37-14, but Conner only played three more snaps than the recently acquired Michael Carter. And we also saw some of our old friend Imari Di Mercado, who had 14 snaps in that game. Um, so, yes, we get the uh, the revenge narrative with James Conner going back to Pittsburgh. But this is, uh, I, I would say, just like a neutral matchup at best. So if we're not getting true workhorse usage from James Conner, maybe we will, but maybe we won't. Um, Yet yeah, like it's just hard to rank him as an RB2 um, now that there are some doubts and, and maybe this continued uh, this usage of Michael Carter sticks and maybe we uh, continue to see some of Di Mercado too. And, you know, in a lost season, the Cardinals just don't have a lot of incentive to run James Conner into the ground.
1: Mm, You make a good point there, too. And I like bringing up that, you know, revenge game narrative. We always expect a touchdown out of the running back in their revenge game. But I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to let it happen here. He's been getting near the goal line and saying, no, 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 I got this. So, yeah, if if we don't have that touchdown, we struggle to get the fantasy production out of James Conner. Billy, how about you?
3: Yeah, James Conner has been the RB40 uh, since week ten, and so uh, the usage is, is is definitely a concern. To Pat's point, Michael Carter definitely gets inserted into that Chase Edmonds role that we saw him share with James Conner a couple of years ago, and um, it was successful in in that in that timeshare. So I definitely have concerns. Thirty nine percent snaps last week to Carter's thirty eight percent. Both saw eleven percent target share. Um, both around that forty percent route range. So this is now a split backfield. Um, and to Pat's point, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of imari. Demarcado, and, and this is now a three headed monster that could become a hot hand approach. And so uh, I definitely have James Conner moving down. You know, the match against Pittsburgh is kind of middle of the pack. They've given up the 15th most fantasy points to the running back. So nothing to be fearful of, but also um, nothing where they're going to just blow them out of the water like Arizona. Uh, so I, I do think that um, it, it's it's a bit of a concern moving forward. Um, and I think that we're going to see this this timeshare uh, for the remainder of the season.
1: All right, moving on to the next player. Sticking in the same tier, we're going to talk about A.J. Dillon. And as you guys have seen, Pat and Billy have been kind of on the same page. You know, multiple running backs here, but they're on opposite ends on this one. So this one is going to be fun. I'm going to have them debated out. A.J. Dillon, Packers playing the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a difficult matchup, despite kind of the weird, you know, game last week for Kansas City's defense. ECR's got A.J. Dillon at RB26. Pat, you were a little bit lower at RB20, but Billy, you were filling AJ Dillon this week at, or sorry, Pat at RB28, and Billy, you were filling AJ Dillon at RB20 this week. So Billy, I'm going to start off with you. I want to hear the, you got to talk me and Pat into it, because maybe me and Pat, we look at AJ Dillon and we're like, "Mm, nope, it's not, it's not happening, it's not it. I'm on the skeptical side with AJ Dillon. I know Pat is too, so talk us into why we should be buying into AJ Dillon this week.
3: I'm not even sure I can. To be honest with you, I've been I've been looking at this ranking trying to figure out why is this high in the algorithm. Uh, the the I'm probably going to talk myself out of moving him down. Or move, I'm probably going to talk myself into moving him down. He saw 14 touches for the last couple weeks. Uh, he's only seen 2.1 yard per attempt and 3.1 yard per attempt. Um, the positive note is he has seen a pretty consistent role in the passing game so um, this this projection I guess with the algorithm I think the only thing I can speak to it uh, is that um, it is against the Chiefs probably a, a negative game script that's going to give him some propped up fantasy points in the receiving department he's seen seven targets in the last three weeks he's turned those into 32 and 38 yards respectively um, so I, I do think as long as Aaron Jones is consistently out AJ Dillon remains the passing down back and we'll see consistent use Usage there probably in that you know 14 touch on the ground again three to five targets in the air puts him in rb2 category um if he scores he'll definitely hit but i'm not liking the chances of a touchdown he only has one touchdown season to date so a bit of a concern that i haven't decided quite frankly um i think i need to evaluate the process and the algorithm here he'll probably move down but um nonetheless it it breaks down to volume and and volume is king in football and he's really going to be the only one back there
1: That is true. He does have the volume there. And you bring up a good point in terms of pass catching. You know, a lot of times we look at him and we say, you think he didn't have that receiving profile in college, but he certainly developed it in the NFL and he's been shown more than capable of handling that workload. And that does make a factor there. Although I got to challenge you there you said negative game script. You don't think that Jordan Love's going to come out here and dominate Patrick Mahomes? I'm I'm kidding. That's sarcasm. I don't believe that. I'm not that crazy. Um, but maybe, 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 maybe. Pat, AJ Dillon here. Just how are you approaching him this week?
2: Yeah, uh, Terry, you and I are Packers fans. So, you know, we we know A.J. Dillon's limitations. I actually think he's played reasonably well lately, uh, as sort of propping up the running game for the Packers by himself with Aaron Jones hurt. Um, but we know that A.J. Dillon is not going to provide explosive plays, that's just not part of his repertoire he needs volume to pay off and the Packers don't really give it to him. They've been really pass heavy of late. Um, You know, as, as Billy pointed out, just 14 carries for Dylan each of the last two weeks and only one touchdown run for Dylan all season. Um, Yeah. It does help that he's been used in the passing game a little more, but um, you know, I think the Packers are going to try to be pass heavy this week and, and get, kansas city through the air even though i think it's easier to run on kansas city than it is to throw against them um but that's just like been the packers mo lately they have been very pass heavy i think it stays that way and while dylan might get a few of those targets it's mostly going to be Jaden reed christian watson romeo dobbs maybe a little tucker craft thrown in there too so uh yeah i just i can't put dylan in rb2 range this week
1: Yeah, I I agree on that one. Moving on to the C tier here. It's a big tier. We've got Chuba Hubbard, Kareem Hunt, Tajay Spears, Ezekiel Elliott, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, Rico Dowdle. Miles Sanders and Samaje Pirine. It's um it's the 1B tier. Poor Miles Sanders, now the 1B tier. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. But before we talk about Miles Sanders, we're going to talk about Tyler Algier in this tier. And again, Billy and Pat are on opposite ends here. And this one is an interesting one because volume has theoretically kind of sort of been there for him. But we did see a nice little breakout performance there from Bijan. And we've seen Cordell Patterson coming in as more of a factor as well. ECR has him at RB 32. Pat, you're a tiny bit higher at RB 30. And Millie, you are further back at RB 37. Pat, I'll start off with you. RB 30. How do do you see Tyler Algiers role within this offense?
2: Yeah. So uh, this whole C tier, Tara, like hopefully I think these are guys we can completely forget about after this week, but with the 16 by week, uh, you might need in in any port in a storm type of option. And I think Algier can at least be that for you if you're hurting at running back this week. Uh, he's averaging 12.3 carries a game this season, and Algier has had at least seven carries in every game. He's going up against a Jets defense that has allowed the six most fantasy points to running backs. And look, we know Arthur Smith is not going to let Desmond Ritter air it out against the jets uh arthur smith we might have our complaints with him but he's not completely stupid this is not going to be a 50 pass attempt game for uh desmond ritter i think we can expect a run heavy game plan for atlanta and uh you know because arthur smith is arthur smith we know that bijan robinson is probably going to get fewer carries than he should and tyler algier is probably going to get more than he should
1: Although the most Arthur Smith thing to do would be to technically try to attack through the air. But you're right. I don't think he's going to do it here. <laughs> uh, the best way it's, it's the best way to do it is the exact approach that he's been taking here. Attack them on the ground. Now, Billy, you have Tyler Algier at RB 37. Are you feeling that maybe he's fallen a little bit further back with Bijan potentially maybe seeing more consistent higher usage now?
3: It's not even just Bijan, it's Cordell Patterson being inserted back into the mix now as well. So it just gives Arthur Smith yet another person to mess with fantasy players (laughs) and to completely destroy any type of uh, logic that we have with this backfield. Because at this point, we just don't know now who is going to be running the ball on any given play. We hope it was going to be Bijan because they spent, you know, some some pretty high draft capital on this running back uh, and have, have yet to utilize him as such. Um, that being said, the usage has increased for Bijan over the last, you know, few weeks, 61% snaps, 77 week 10 by week 11 comes back with 63% snaps in week 12, where Tyler Algier has kind of seen the taper off where it started in the, you know, 50 range. Now it's in 36 in week nine, 26 in week 10, 29% snaps in week 12, And contrary Cordell Patterson has been, you know, Repping up now, week nine, 10% snaps, 29% week 10, 26% last week. So it looks like Algier and Patterson are going to be in this 25 to 30% range on a week-to-week basis, and Bijan's now going to hover in that 60 to 65% range. Um, If that's the scenario, we're going to see Tyler Algier losing a lot of targets. It's going to be all on the ground. Um, To Pat's point, you've seen 12 12 carries per game on the season. Uh, The last three weeks, or say three active games, that's – Dip down to 10 now. And so a bit concerning with the usage. Targets now are, are, are an afterthought, 0% target share last week in week 12, um, and it seems to be Bijan and Cordell Patterson's show now inside the, inside the passing game. So Jets, though, on paper, look to be a decent matchup against running backs. They give up the eighth most points to the running back position. That being said, that number's kind of skewed because people aren't throwing the ball against the Jets, so they're forced to run on them. And so I think that you have to take that number with a grain of salt and look at this from a game perspective, and, and it's going to break down a snaps and utilization.
1: We're going to cover one more player here in this tier. It is Miles Sanders. And this one is interesting because I think you guys are going to have to do a little convincing for me. I'm more in line with ECR in terms of him being RB35. You guys are higher. RB 31 and RB 32. Now, granted, he has at least worked his way up to splitting the backfield. Crazy that he had to work his way up to earning back a shared role within this backfield. But I'll start off with you, Pat. RB 31 for him. Are you feeling like we're on the cusp of maybe Miles Sanders earning that lead back rollback?
2: I don't know about that, um, but at least he is a pretty solid 1B to Chuba Hubbard's 1A in this backfield, and um, I totally get what you're saying, Tara, being more in line with ECR. This was one of those where, uh, yes, it's a 16-by week, but when I— sort of finished with running back rankings, I, I looked at Miles Sanders at RB 31. I'm like, wow, that seems that seems really high. So I'm a little glad uh, Billy is providing some validation here with uh, only being one spot behind me with Miles Sanders in the rankings. Look, he got 15 carries last week against the Titans. Uh, it wasn't pretty. Those 15 carries netted 28 yards. Uh, but the week before was 11 for 50 against Dallas. Um, so, yeah, it's it's basically back to being a split backfield. And uh, again, it's a a 16 by week. So Sanders might be playable if you're hurting at running back this week.
1: Billy, how are you viewing Miles Sanders?
3: I'm viewing Miles Sanders as a celebration because Deuce Staley was fired as the running backs coach inside Carolina. And Deuce Staley is the same guy who buried DeAndre Swift in the backfield for The Detroit Lions before he broke out here with Philadelphia. So this is clearly a deuce issue. In my opinion, we have seen running backs clash with him time and time again in from a coaching level and with an RB perspective. And so I think that this opens up kind of a lot of possibilities and maybe a little bit more snaps here for Miles Sanders. Uh, we saw 15 carries last week, 11 the week before. So I think that he's earned a bit more of the touches. Let's not forget they paid him. I think that the, the the coaching staff now that's that's kind of the interim coaching staff that's in place is probably going to want to see what they have in him and to see if they need to uh make some moves in the offseason. So I, I definitely think that this is going to be um a bit more usage for Miles Sanders. The matchup isn't great, but I think that Deuce Staley being gone is, is about as positive as it can be for Miles Sanders.
1: Oh, man, you make a good point there. The coaching changes do affect how those running backs are being looked. We talked about it a tiny bit when we talked about Najee Harris and Matt Canada. So, yeah, you you know what, Billy? You might make me go back and reevaluate that. Coaching changes do make a big difference here. We talk a lot about what makes winners on this show, and there's one thing all teams, coaches, and players have in common. Preparation. Planning is key to everyday life too, and a great way to be prepared for the unexpected is to join AirMedCare Network, America's largest air ambulance membership network. AirMedCare Network providers operate state-of-the-art helicopters that can respond to critically ill or injured patients who need emergency medical transport. These flights can be expensive, but as an AirMedCare Network member, you won't see a bill for your flight only when flown by one of their providers. That's right. You'd pay nothing you can become a member of AirMedCare Network for just $99 per year. And right now, our listeners get up to an $80 MasterCard or Amazon e-gift card when they join and use offer code FANTASYPROS. That's FANTASYPROS with no spaces. Make financial peace of mind part of your game plan. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash fantasypros. Moving on to the next tier, we got the C-minus tier. Antonio Gibson and Royce Freeman, very tiny tier, and then the D plus tier: Jeff Wilson, Darius Johnson, and Devon HN. Um, let's you know talk about these two tiers here together. You know, between these two tiers, are there um, any guy here that you feel like on a bye week you could pull and get some potential usage out of? Um, Pat, I'll start off with you.
2: Oh well, Achan for sure. If he plays, obviously he's going to go soaring up the rankings. Probably a lot of people didn't rank him, so that was why he was there. Um, Antonio Gibson, maybe like if if we see either a shootout or um, I don't know a scenario where like Washington is getting stomped, which could happen. I mean, they're almost ten point underdogs. Uh, maybe we see some of Gibson as a pass catcher, and um, I'm I'm kind of interested. Like, I don't know if there's enough left on the uh the plate after travis Etienne is done eating but dearness johnson's reemergence and how he sort of pushed his way past tank bigsby on the jacksonville depth chart is just sort of interesting like dearness johnson is a guy who always like sort of worms his way into roles like the guy's just good like he's a, a really good backup running back so um like i don't i don't think i'd want to start him but he is kind of an interesting case
1: Billy, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss this one to you here specifically with Miami. Um, Pat mentioned Devin Achan, obviously if he's active, you know, he'll probably move aggressively up in the rankings. But I kinda wanna flip it here and with Jeff Wilson. If A Chan isn't active, you know, I mean off the top of your head, just realistically, is is Jeff Wilson staying in this tier or is he moving up as someone that you could trust in this matchup against Washington?
3: so it's actually the running back I was gonna pick in this tier because Pat mentioned it perfectly if achan plays then then Wilson you know sees a bump down but if vice versa if Hchan doesn't play then Wilson's gonna see a bump up so um, this is both these guys in this tier is something you need to monitor if you have either or both uh 33 percent of snaps last week for Jeff Wilson 11 percent of targets so this is where he most kind of gets phased out inside the game script is inside of the uh, passing downs and so uh moster had only saw four percent last week three percent week 11, 3% in week nine. So, uh, the target targets in the, uh, are definitely going to be Jeff Wilson's to acquire. Um, and he saw, you know, like I said, 33% of snaps. So 30, 31% of rushing attempts. And so I think that he has a role carved out here. Uh, and, and I think they're going to want to keep most healthy. So they're going to alleviate the massive workload from him. So definitely in consideration
2: for Jeff Wilson.
1: Completely agree there. Moving on to the D tier, we've got three players in the D tier. Kenneth Gainwell, Jaleel McLaughlin, whose role has kind of slipped down a little bit behind Samaji Ryan, Jamal Williams, and then we've got the D minus tier with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Joshua Kelly, Elijah Mitchell, Daven Cook, Chase Edmonds, DJ Dallas, And Cordero Patterson, who we talked about earlier in the show, oh man, I mean, it's it's tough to talk about the guys in these tiers, but we got to do it. And as we have mentioned multiple times, it is a six-team bye week, and it's not only taken out starting running backs, we got to consider all the flex options that people have and just benches absolutely potentially demolished here. Is there anyone within this tier? Billy, I'll start off with you. Is there anyone within this tier that you feel could be pulled for some level of value this week?
3: Oh, man. Value is a strong word in this (laughs) tier. Uh, I think if I had to pick somebody... I would probably lean into Josh Kelly. We just talked about the inefficiencies that we've seen from uh Austin Eckler, and we have seen his snaps kind of consistently stay in that twenty to thirty percent range um and he's become more involved in the passing game as of late, you know five percent last week, four percent week nine. Uh, a couple zeros in between, but uh, I do think he has started to see, you know, a little bit more of, of, of looks. um, And, and we've seen him, you know, utilized in, in long distance snaps as well. So um, he's kind of saw 47% of long distance snaps in week nine, 57% in week 10, 38% last week. So uh, I'd say worth the gamble at least.
1: That's a good point there. Joshua Kelly by himself is the lead back. Not super fun. Joshua Kelly playing off of Austin Eckler. We have seen some success with it. Pat, how about you?
2: Yeah, I guess it's either Kelly um, who the role is there. I just, I don't think Josh Kelly is very good. Uh, that, that's the <laughs> issue. Uh, and Kenneth Gainwell, maybe, but uh, we don't love the matchup against the 49ers. Although the, the 49ers run defense is not what it used to be. Like it's not the skull and crossbones matchup. It has been in the recent past. So, um, maybe Gainwell, but boy, if you're dipping into these tiers, you're pretty desperate. You're probably in a 16 or 18 team league and, uh, the, the buys are killing you, so. Hopefully you do not have to go this far down to get a starter.
1: I agree. Hopefully no one has to deal with this pain. All right, moving on to the next segment. We're going to play a little game here. A who would you rather game? I'll give you two running backs. You tell me which one you prefer. Pat, I'll start off with you. It is Joe Mixon versus the Jaguars or Brian Robinson versus the Dolphins.
2: Ugh, it's uh it's Joe Mixon for me. Not a confident choice here, but um last week was the first time all season that Joe Mixon has not gotten double digit carries. He's sixth in the league in rushing attempts has 33 catches on the air. I know the potency of the Bengals offense is greatly diminished without Joe Burrow, uh, but Burrow's absence, you would think incentivizes the Bengals to keep Mixon heavily involved. Um, I only have Robinson ranked a spot or two behind Nick Mixon. I guess my concern with Robinson is what I mentioned before with Antonio Gibson, that maybe the game script gets uh, goes sideways for the commanders or, uh, you know, in a shootout, the commanders feel like they are going to boost the snaps for Antonio Gibson because of what he can do for them in the passing game. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I'm more confident in the volume with Joe Mixon than I am with Brian Robinson.
1: Billy, how about you?
3: I'm on the opposite spectrum here. I just think that the Cincinnati Bengals inefficiencies are going to lead to teams loading up the box and forcing them to throw the ball to get turnovers. And Brian Robinson has been pretty efficient, actually, outside of the Dallas game last week. who They just got shut down. But if you look at, The stats since week 10, he's actually RB5 and half point PPR during that last three weeks, including the bad matchup against Dallas. So um, we have seen this, this, you know, utilization from him that's been, you know, increased the course with the Gibson being banged up. But um, he's consistently seen a lot of touches 17 attempts in week 11, 15 attempts last week, despite the matchup. Um, He has seen a total of 15 target or sorry, 15 receptions in the last three weeks. Of course, some of that is because Gibson was out. Um, But I think they have learned that he is a a definitely a a capable pass catcher. And I don't think that role disappears altogether now. So I am going to be leaning on Brian Robinson against Miami.
1: Billy, I lean on your side for the exact same reasons, the potential upside of pass volume and the interesting fact that we know Brian Robinson has given us multiple overall RB1 weeks. I'd rather take that upside swing there with him. Hopefully, you know, he could get some pass volume and kind of take advantage of that with this matchup. Moving on to the next, who would you rather? It is, <laughs> it's a painful one, man. I didn't read that advance. I, as I was reading it, I was kind of thinking, oh, man, Damian Pierce versus the Broncos or Kareem Hunt versus the Rams. Damian Pierce, obviously, we talked about him earlier when we covered Devin Singletary. And a good matchup against the Broncos. And then Kareem Hunt playing second fiddle there to Jerome Ford. Billy, I'll start off with you. Who would you rather?
3: I'm going to go Kareem Hunt here. Again, it breaks down to to the known role. Pierce is kind of getting eased back into things. Uh, And if there's one thing that we know is certain death taxes and Kareem Hunt being utilized in goal line packages. Uh, And so Kareem Hunt has been pretty consistently utilized there. We even last week, he failed a couple times in in the goal, in the goal line package. But, you know, prior to week 11, he had scored one, two, three, four, six touchdowns from week six to week 10. So I think that they know what they have in him. They know his, his usage. Uh, It's going to be that 10 to 12 touches a game and, and all kind of in that, you know, red zone package. So I'm going to go here with Kareem
2: Hunt. Pat, how about you? Billy's pretty optimistic that the Browns are going to have the opportunity to use their goal line packages because uh, that offense is just so sickly now with, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson out and and who knows what they're going to be rolling out at quarterback this year after Dorian Thompson Robinson took that vicious hit last week. So um, I have Pierce ranked one spot ahead of Kareem Hunt. Uh, Billy makes a good case. Like we know. There's a decent chance that Kareem Hunt gets into the end zone, and if he does, he probably has the better day than Damian Pierce. But uh, ultimately, both of these guys are number two running backs in their respective offenses, and give me the guy who is in the much healthier offense
1: oh man we've got another split decision here with pat and billy i will be the tiebreaker here i was leaning towards kareem hunt but you know what pat i feel like you made some some uh Mm -hmm. predictions there that kind of tilted me over your way i'm leaning towards (laughs) damian pierce now it's always a fun game to play
0: wide receivers
1: Pat, I'll start off with you. What stands out here in these top twenty players?
2: Oh man, I'm uh, I'm sort of offended when I look and see Adam Thielen still in the top twenty at wide receiver nineteen, especially following a week where I had him in my starting lineup. He gets two yards and I lost by a tenth of a point. So <laughs> uh, yeah, like that that makes me not want to have Adam Thielen in my top twenty, and in fact, I do not this week. Um, and and then. Boy, interesting case with how to rank Puka, Nakua, and Cooper Cup pretty much every week, but this week in particular with the, the sort of tough matchup, Cup not looking like himself lately. I have, uh, let's see, so ECR is what, Puka wide receiver 16, Cup's out of the top 20 at wide receiver 21. I've got a Cup wide receiver 17, uh, Puka wide receiver 19. What about What about you, Belly? How do you rank these guys? Puka at wide receiver
3: 13. I got Cooper cup at 16. And the trend is saying that Puka has seen more targets. So over the last three games, 27% target share where cup has seen 15% of target share over the last uh, three games. And it has been because it's been injury related, but, Uh, Cooper Cup does not appear to be the same player as of now. And and we see almost every time he gets tackled, I just hold my breath, wondering if he's going to get up and and be able to, to play the next snap. So I definitely have some concerns about his health moving forward.
1: Yeah, Cup dropping down there, guys. I mean, I have him in a few leagues and I noticed a um, substantial dip in his projections across all of these apps. People are finally, unfortunately, accepting the fact that he might just not be the same Cooper Cup that we want him to be this season. Billy, what also stands out for you here in this top 20?
3: I don't know if it necessarily stands out, but I just want to talk about tank Dell because this kid has been electric. He is a league winner right now. And last week they pretty much robbed him of 75 yards on penalties. It would have put him over a hundred yards for two straight weeks. He has seen a combined total of five touchdowns in four weeks. Uh, he has been the apple of the eye to CJ Stroud. and And this offense is one of the hottest offenses inside the league right now. And I just, Love the kid. I love what they're doing. And, and you can't help but root for the Houston Texans right now. And um, he's priced appropriately. The ECR has him at, at 10. I have him at eight. But I just, wanted, I just wanted to talk about him because I liked him.
1: I, I agree. I'm pretty much in love with Tank Dell. It's amazing seeing the production he's getting. And you're right. I mean, if those, if those penalties didn't take back that um, fantastic play from him. I mean, he just looks unreal. It's not as if he's out there, you know, just getting pure volume. They visually just look so incredibly impressive. So it's fantastic to see him this far up in the rankings and people absolutely trusting him. Again, for in-depth analysis on these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you are using our My Playbook app. Now we're going to jump into the B tier here. And this is a good tier. We've got George Pickens. Tyler Lockett, Marquise Brown, Josh Downs, Rasheed Rice, and Deontay Johnson. It is a tier where people struggle. I see a lot of start-sit questions on the shows that I do throughout Fantasy Pros throughout the week, and these are very common names where people just really struggle in terms of what level of trust they're having with them. So having you guys talk this out is going to be incredibly, incredibly valuable here, and we're going to start off with a controversial one here with Josh Downs. ECR has him at our, at wide receiver 28. Pat, you have got him at wide receiver 26. A little bit more in on him. And then Billy, you've got him all the way back at wide receiver 35. So this is going to be a good little debate here. Um, and I'm interested to hear it because I've been very pro Josh Downs. We didn't get the performance that we wanted out of him last week. Volume was there in terms of targets, but production in terms of actual catches, not so much. Billy, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, what's the hesitation here with Josh Downs?
3: It's not even a hesitation. It's just that his usage and utilization has kind of broken the algorithm because he came off injury, only saw 5% of targets. He comes getting ramped back into things in week 10, saw 13%, and then boom, last week, of target shares. So um, the algorithm just doesn't know what to do. It's just, it's all over the place. And so uh, it's a player that I'm going to have to manually adjust. I do think that my ranking right now tentatively is too low because um, if he does even see, you know, 25% target share, I don't think we'll see 32 again, but if he sees 25, 24%, that's going to probably put him in this wide receiver, 26, 25 range because the matchup is good. We're playing the Tennessee Titans. who don't really have a secondary. They give up the eighth most fantasy points to the wide receiver. Position, so I got his name circled on my sheet somebody's gonna be moving up
1: that's a really good point there again we often see with these players coming off of injury that the first game back you can't really take into account the production right there because they were getting eased back in and that's an excellent point with Josh Downs Pat how about you how are you feeling about Josh Downs this week
2: pretty good. Um it, he had been dealing with the knee issue, but I feel like we are pretty safe with him um a week after seeing him get those 13 targets against the Buccaneers. And and you mentioned Terry, he didn't really do a lot with the 13 targets. 5 catches for 43 yards, but the usage is what we're looking for with Downs. And now he gets a nice matchup against the Titans who, you know, Billy pointed out, they've allowed the eighth most fantasy points to wide receivers. Uh, Individually, I think he's going to see a lot of slot corner Roger McCreary, McCreary, which is a winnable matchup for Downs. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty good setup for him. Michael Pittman is still the alpha guy in this uh, offense, the alpha receiver, but Downs is a, a pretty good supporting cast member.
1: We're going to talk about one more player in this tier here, George Pickens. And there was this one. We have another one where you guys are on opposite ends here. And I'm very curious because we talked about when we discussed the running backs, we talked about the transition here for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in their post-Mac Canada era. And, You know, we kind of thought that maybe we would get a little bit more George Pickens and more emphasis on him and big plays. It didn't happen. We got big, big Pat Friermuth and easier has George Pickens at wide receiver 30. Pat, you're further back at wide receiver 34 and Billy, you're a little bit further up at wide receiver 27. Pat, I will start off with you. Do you, When looking at this Pittsburgh offense moving forward and the level of success, it wasn't highly impressive what we saw last week, but it did work. They did get the win. Do you see them kind of sticking with that route? Was it maybe just matchup or is George Pickens maybe going to fade a little bit as they try and figure out how this offense works moving forward?
2: Oh man, well I mean I I hope the Steelers kind of stick with their MO from last week since they averaged 6.2 yards per play, which was really impressive after, you know, the way we've seen that offense sputter all season. Um and and by the way, we we had so much agreement on the running back show. I love that Billy and I are uh, getting a fight in this one drop the gloves a little bit on wide yeah. receivers. Um yeah, so the reason I'm below consensus on Pickens and and below where Billy is on him I, like it's just the target chair thing and um since Deontay Johnson came back from injury in week seven Pickens has averaged 5.5 targets and 44.8 receiving yards per game he's had six or fewer targets in each of his last five games and now it's not just Deontay Johnson diverting targets away from George Pickens tight end Pat Fryermuth back from a hamstring injury and had 11 targets last week the big game 120 yards I know the matchup against Arizona is a good one, but Pickens and his inability to command targets uh, is once again the problem that's kind of steering me away from him and having me rank him below consensus.
1: Oh man, you mentioned that matchup against Arizona, and I can't help but think about what happened last week. We talked about Cup and Puka earlier in the show, and who was it that got the touchdowns? It was Tyler Higby that got the touchdowns, so you're right. Maybe matchup-wise, this could be an omen of how this is going to go. Um, Billy, how are you approaching George Pickens this week? A little bit more um, positively than ECR.
3: Yeah, I just want to start by saying ding-dong, the witch is dead. Uh, Matt Canada (laughs) is gone. (laughs) And uh, for the first time in 59 games, the Steelers had 400 yards total offense. So I think that the arrow is pointing up with Canada gone. Uh, Some coaching, coaching changes definitely help things. Um, The target share eh, kind of concerning still 16% last week. Hasn't seen more than 18% since week nine, since Deontay Johnson reinserted himself, uh, despite not wanting to move on plays on the sideline. Uh, And I do think that um, the matchup is, is appealing. Arizona gives up the seventh most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. um, And, and they give up uh, pretty equally inside and out. So I do think that uh, he has the opportunity to succeed. I definitely get the hesitation on Pat's side, uh, just the usage isn't there, and it's going to have to be on a physical play from uh, from him. And we keep saying this every single week, so I feel like the clown meme putting on my nose again as I continue to slide him into my rosters. But I do think that um, he is a physical specimen in a good matchup with a new uh, offense, new look offense, I should say. And I think that the arrow is trending up.
1: I mean, I'll, I'll do the clown meme with you, too, because it's not it's not it's not even um, George Pickens for me. It's Deontay Johnson. Why are we sitting here with these Pittsburgh Steelers receivers and we're just constantly rolling them out there? We're keeping the faith here. But I, I, I'm somewhere between you guys here. Um, it, it's it's weird because it feels like you should be able to trust George Pickens a little bit more moving forward. And we've got Deontay Johnson, who was just something is not clicking right there. Something is just a little bit off. So maybe we can see it tilt more towards Pickens way. But again, I just kind of lean towards that direction of this being another Pat Fryermuth game. If you haven't heard about WhatNot yet, allow me to introduce you to this incredible platform. WhatNot is the world's leading live shopping platform often described as a unique blend of eBay and Twitch. Here's how it works. Streamers go live to conduct auctions where they sell a wide range of items, including sports cards, jerseys, sneakers, and much more. Recently in the hobby of sports card collecting, the highly anticipated NFL product Flawless was released. It's been making waves in the hobby with cards worth six figures or more being pulled on a daily basis. When on whatnot, you can invest in a player like Tank Dell or any player that you think will do well just by purchasing his card. You can snag a $10 discount on your first purchase by going to fantasypros.com whatnot and signing up. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. Again, sign up when you go to fantasypros.com whatnot to redeem your $10 discount. The link will also be in the description. Moving on to the B minus tier here, we've got Brandon Cooks, Chris Godwin, and Jaden Reed. I like this tier right here. Several guys that I'm a big fan of, and we're going to talk about one in particular, Brandon Cooks coming on strong there in Dallas, Dak Prescott on an absolute tear, Um, working his way into MVP conversation, guys. Very interesting here. But again, Pat mentioned it. We've got this is the the wide receiver debates here with Pat and Billy. And we've got it again because ECR has him at wide receiver 34. Pat, you're in on Brandon Cooks. You got him at wide receiver 31. Well, as in as you can be at wide receiver 31. I'll say that. And then Billy you're further back. You got him at wide receiver 37. So not drastic differences, but enough for us to sit here and talk about it and kind of debate which side is going to end up on the right side here with Brandon Cooks. Billy, I'll start off with you. Are you are you struggling to trust Brandon Cooks in the production? He is the wide receiver too there. It's tough behind CeeDee Lamb to really maintain consistency, but he has been improving in terms of his volume.
3: He has been improving over the course of the few weeks with his volume, Um, but I want to take a snapshot here. He is wide receiver eight over the last three weeks, but I want to take a look at the last three weeks because these are inflated based upon the matchup. So in week number 10, they faced the New York Giants, and the New York Giants give up the third most fantasy points to the wide receiver position he comes back in week 11 faces carolina who's a tough matchup against receivers who give the fourth fewest fantasy points and finishes as wide receiver 49 then he comes back in week 12 against washington who gives up the second most fantasy points to the wide receiver position and finishes inside the top 20 again so we look at this these these inflated numbers through the the last three weeks two of them have been the top three worst defenses against the wide receiver position and Dak Prescott has just absolutely obliterated them. And cooks has really, you know, scored in both games, which helped the numbers, but you know, a couple big plays in each game as well, you know, long of 31, long of 37 in those games. And so my fear is is that they're facing Seattle who's middle of the pack. So not nearly, you know, to the degree of Carolina's secondary, but there are no pushovers And so I just don't have the confidence in Brandon Cooks that we're seeing in the ECR based upon uh, overreactions of these two monster games against some of the easiest secondaries in the NFL. So a bit of hesitation, um, because if we look back prior to those matchups, wide receiver 97, wide receiver 21, wide receiver 19, wide receiver 81, wide receiver 61, wide receiver 89, wide receiver 76. So it's this roller coaster with Brandon Cooks. It seems to be matchup dependent. And I don't think the matchup is in his favor, at least to a point to where he's going to blow up again.
1: Mm, That's a good point there. I mean, Dak Prescott's been on a roll, but he he has been on a roll for a lot longer than we've seen Brandon Cooks be on his recent tear. So you're right. I think there could be a little matchup here involved. Um, Pat, how about you? You're feeling a little bit more positively about Brandon Cooks here.
2: I am. And um, boy, although. Billy makes a compelling case with the matchup sensitivity that I, I wasn't quite aware of. I mean, I know that that Cooks took advantage of that uh, horrible Washington secondary. But um, and I guess my ranking of Cooks goes against my usual MO of sort of trying to follow the targets and the usage, um, because we can't really count on a steady diet of targets for Cooks, who's only exceeded five targets in two games all year. But uh, I do want as many pieces of this Dallas passing game as I can get. Dak is just on fire. Uh, his last five games, 17 touchdown passes, and he's gone over 300 yards in four of those five games. Cook has four touchdown catches in his last six games, so the big plays have been there. Um, the lack of volume is why he's only a mid-range wide receiver three for me, but I do think – He's a pretty attractive option in a 16 bye week.
1: That's true. Bye weeks to consider, and upside is there. So if you need to take a high upside swing, you're trying to make a push for the fantasy playoffs, Cooks to technically still be your guy there. All right, moving on to the next tier here. We have got the C plus tier Amari Cooper, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel right behind Jahan Dotson. Very interesting here. Christian. Watson and Drake London. This is a this is a fascinating tier here. A lot of high upside, big potential names here and then you got the Washington receivers. Um the Washington receivers Jahan Dotson. Let's talk about him here. There's not going to be a debate, so I just want to hear why you guys are both in agreement um behind them and spoiler alert. I'm in agreement too unfortunately. ECR has him at wide receiver 37. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 44. Billy, you've got him him at wide receiver 45 Jahan Dotson we want so much better for him but we finally saw the re-emergence there with Curtis Samuel last week him finally kind of looking back to his similar earlier healthy self that we saw earlier in the season and that was unfortunately the time when Jahan Dotson disappeared so guys talk to me about Jahan Dotson Billy I'll start off with you are are we on the cusp of seeing Jahan Dotson disappear back into fantasy irrelevancy <sighs>
3: So this is this ranking scares me because Jahan Dotson, the matchup is great. It's against Miami. Uh, the over-under is at 49.5. It's the highest over-under of the week. Uh, implied total for Washington is 20. And so we know that Jahan Dotson has seen a lack of utilization. So 12% sample size target share since week nine, 14% last week, 10% in week 11, 5% in week 10, where he threw up a goose egg. So the outcome for Jahan Dotson is just let me go back to week seven, wide receiver seven, wide receiver seven, wide receiver 133, Wide receiver 27, wide receiver 45. So he's very touchdown dependent in a game that should be a shootout. So if we can, you know, inflate his touchdown number here, which I think is what we're gonna have to do to get him inside the top 40. Um, I think that's the only way he's going to be able to return value because he's not seeing the targets. And so um, it scares me having him at wide receiver 45, but it's also, you know, a bit of hesitation to move him up because if he doesn't get that touchdown, he probably finishes lower than this number based upon the lack of usage. So I'm kind of on the fence here. I feel like I want to move him up because I feel like it's going to bite me with this high over under. But I also um, don't want to move him up too far because he may, you know, throw up only, you know, five targets.
1: Yeah, touchdown dependency, target volume inconsistent there. It's it's crazy. I I like to consider myself a Sam Howell aficionado. And it's weird because Sam Howell will consistently throw for extremely high volume and you have zero way to predict exactly where it's going. I don't know if it's him or if it's Eric Bieniemy, in the way that they just designed this offense, but the volume could go to, as we talked about earlier, it could go to Brian Robinson, It could go to Antonio Gibson, it could go to Curtis, Samuel, like it just could go all over the place. And so it makes it so difficult to trust these wide receivers that are so much more dependent on touchdowns. Pat, how about you? How are you looking at Jahan Dotson?
2: Yeah. um, Curtis Samuel is really the key here. And you mentioned Tara that Curtis Samuel's right behind Jahan Dotson here. Uh, Billy, do you have Samuel or Dotson ranked higher this week? I have Samuel ranked higher.
3: I have, I have Samuel consistently higher. I mean like, 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 like about five spots higher now.
2: Yeah. So uh, like, everyone was disappointed in Dotson when he got off to that slow start. And then everyone got excited about him when he had 12 catches for 177 yards and two touchdowns in weeks eight and nine. But Curtis Samuel got hurt in week eight after playing 14 snaps and then was out in week nine. So that spike in Jahan Dotson uh, targets and production was totally related to Curtis Samuel's absence. And since Samuel returned in week 10, Dotson has averaged four targets a game and 25 yards a game in the the three games since. So Curtis Samuel's presence severely damages Jahan Dotson's outlook. So uh, I, I get what Billy is saying about, you know, like how the high Vegas total for this game, the potential of a shootout, um, the game script. Yeah, like that stuff does maybe enhance Dotson's outlook a little bit. Man, with Curtis Samuel around, I just do not trust Jahan Dotson's role in this offense at all.
1: Mm -hmm. And critical to note as well that Miami's defense is different than the Miami defense that we saw earlier in the season. They're healthier and they're trending up before we dive into our next segment here. As a reminder, if you want a chance to win a sign, Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis Colts jersey, courtesy of bettingpros.com, your place to start betting smarter and not harder, you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel right now, comment on any video, and that's it. We'll be announcing the winner right here on the channel, so make sure you turn on notifications so you can be alerted when new episodes are up and to claim your prize. Now we're going to do a who would you rather segment and we're going to start off with, I mean, we just talked about, oh my gosh, we just talked about the Washington Commanders and we're going to do a who would you rather with Terry McLaurin versus the Dolphins or Rasheed Rice coming out of his big breakout performance versus the Packers here. Pat, I'll start off with you. Who would you rather?
2: It's Rasheed Rice for me. Um, I, I can't believe that Terry McLaurin's ECR is wide receiver 17 this week. Like, I've got mm. him at wide receiver 30. What about you, Billy? Where do you have McLaurin this week? I'm at 31, actually. Yeah. So we're, we're, so, we're, I mean, <laughs> McLaurin has not had more than 90 receiving yards in a game all season. He scored two touchdowns. Sam Howell is spreading the ball around, and we've been talking about this with with Washington, our Washington-themed wide receivers podcast here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like he is not hyper targeting Terry McLaurin by any stretch. And while I do think Terry McLaurin is a terrific player, no question about it, this has not been a great season for him. He's averaging a career low eleven point six yards per catch, a career low seven point two yards per target. Sam Howell's passer rating on throws to McLaurin is 86, which is pretty mediocre. Um, so, yeah, I'd rather have Rice, even though I do kind of think Rice is overrated. Like, the usage is just so gadgety. It's, like, mostly these wide receiver screens designed to get him the ball quickly and let him run after the catch. His average depth of target, 4.9 yards this season for Rasheed Rice. It's not like he's winning downfield, but I would still rather have Rice than McLaurin.
1: Ah. Uh. Billy, how about you?
3: Man, I was I have these guys back to back in my rankings and it's 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 definitely difficult to decide. Although, you know, when I was looking at this, you know, I was kept thinking of the song, you know, my mind's telling me no about my body cuz the Warren <laughs> McLaurin has been wide receiver 51 over the past three weeks. And Rasheed Rice has been wide receiver 31. The usage has been increasing. We saw everybody ruled out last week inside of the Kansas city chiefs offense. I think it's going to break down to actives and, and non-actives for me with this decision, because as bad as Terry McLaurin has been, we just talked about the matchup. We just talked about the shootout potential. Um, and if there's one thing that we can kind of rely on it's that Terry McLaurin has seen the bulk of the targets pretty consistently um not always you know 25 last week 25 but consistently over 18 percent. and so I do think that Terry McLaurin probably sees the bulk of the uh looks that being said it's it's kind of hard to trust him right now and so I probably slight lean Terry McLaurin right now just because of the Vegas totals but um if everybody's ruled out again inside Kansas City I probably go Rice
1: I'll be the tiebreaker here. I hate to go against Terry McLaurin because you're absolutely right. Talent through the roof. Unfortunately, just opportunity. It's just situation is never on his side. Maybe one day, maybe one day, maybe he'll hit 30 and finally get into the right situation. Uh, I lean towards Rasheed Rice on this one as well. We're going to do one more. Who would you rather? It is Drake London versus the Jets. Or Jaden Reed versus the Chiefs. Two defensive matchups that are not ideal and two guys that are very interesting here. Billy, I'll start off with you. Who would you rather?
3: (sighs) I don't trust Drake London this week against the Jets. So I'm just going to by default go the other direction. So uh, it just breaks down a tough matchup. Arthur Smith is Arthur Smith and Ritter is just Ritter. And so I I don't I think it's just you have to look at this as a as a game script and say uh, tough matchup and you can't go that direction.
1: Yeah, Pat, how about you?
2: Uh oh, I've got London ranked higher. This might be a mistake. I, I hate the matchup against the Jets, uh, but London has seen seven or more targets in six of his last seven games. And I very much believe in the player like London makes difficult catches seemingly every week. Um, Jaden Reed is a very exciting young player, but he's not on the field in two wide receiver sets. And last week was the first time in his last eight games that Reed has drawn more than six targets. Um, so, eight targets last week, four catches, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but, like, by the way, the Chiefs are not a great matchup for wide receivers either. They have allowed the eighth-fewest fantasy points to wideouts. Um, yeah, so give me London, I guess, reluctantly. Uh, Tara, I'm, I'm curious about who you'd take here, although I, I kind of think I know. But I also want to know, Tara, uh, in, in Dynasty, who would you rather have Jaden Reed or Christian Watson?
1: Oh my gosh, you trumped my Who Would You Rather follow up. Okay. Because <laughs> I definitely <laughs> had one plan with Jaden Reed. And you're right. I do. On this Who Would You Rather, I lean towards Jaden Reed's for similar reasons that Billy said. I just think, you know, again, we're talking about the Jets defense. I don't know that they have the cape that. Atlanta has the capabilities of doing what Miami did last week and still getting that wide receiver volume. I don't know if it's going to be there, unfortunately, for Drake London in Dynasty. Oh, my gosh. I I do think I would lean towards Jaden Reed. And it's difficult because, as you mentioned, unfortunately, when we're looking at two wide receiver sets, he's not the guy out there. But I feel like we're on the cusp of that flipping. And when you look at draft capital, we've got literally almost the exact same draft capital, even though Christian Watson was the flashier prospect. Jaden Reed, very similar draft capital. And we have, you know, historical history in terms of those second round picks for um, Green Bay. I lean towards Jaden Reed being able to eventually overcome this situation of earning more of an increased role within this offense and having the ultimately the higher upside there. What yeah. about you? Um
2: it's interesting. Like I they're just so very different receivers. Yeah. You know, um Christian Watson is the air yards guy and Jaden Reed is the yards after the catch guy. And it's great that they're on the same team and like in these complementary roles. Um, but like at this point, I I think I'm a little more excited about Jaden Reed. Like he is, he is really pretty special with the ball in his hands. And, uh, you know, I'm excited now that we've seen Jordan Love be able to get the ball into his hands pretty consistently. Like I'm excited about the outlook going forward for Reed.
1: Yeah. And I'll I'll toss it to you, Billy, with my my follow-up here that I had of the who would you rather with Jaden Reed. Is Jaden Reed the Packers that you trust the most moving forward?
3: He is. um, As much as I like Watson, I I was a big Watson believer in the beginning of the year, and uh, it just hasn't panned out. And I know he's seen a lot of double coverage. I think that's part of it. But um we just have to look at who has a knack for the end zone it seems to be Jaden reed who has the connection with love it seems to be Jaden reed um and so i do think that um reed's probably the guy i trust the most but watson's the kind of guy that could put up 150 yards and two scores right and and so it's one of those things to where um if i'm Putting them both in my lineup, I probably taking the gamble and shooting for upside every single time with Watson. Um, if I needed, you know, more consistent points, I'm probably putting in Reed.
1: Mm, it's such an interesting, very good debate, guys. That one was fun there. Like that. We got Washington in there, we got the Packers in there nice little receivers debate. And we're going to wrap it up with potentially more debates here because we're going to do flex appeal. And this is a fun one where we are talking about three players that fall into the flex zone. So we got running backs, wide receivers and tight ends as well. Pat and Billy, I'm going to give you these guys here and you're going to tell me the order, how you would order these guys here. Now, Pat, I'm going to start off with you on this first one. We've got Jerome Ford versus Deontay Johnson versus Cortland Sutton. This is a very interesting one. How do you order these three players?
2: Yeah, this one is really tight. I've got it, Jerome Ford, then Cortland Sutton, then Deontay Johnson. Yes, the Cleveland offense is gross because of the quarterback situation, but over the last four weeks, Ford has averaged 14 and a half carries five targets and 76.1 yards from scrimmage. I think the touch volume makes him a slightly safer bet than either Sutton or Deontay.
1: Billy, how about you?
3: I have it Sutton, Deontay, four, just because I don't trust the Cleveland offense right now. Um, And I, I do think that I think the touch volume is there, but um, Cortland Sutton has seen eight touchdowns on the season is pretty consistently targeted in the red zone, um, and has consistently made big plays of 30 or yards or more this season. So, uh, Houston also has the second highest over under game with Denver this week at, at 47. Um, I want a piece of it. I'm going to go Cortland Sutton.
1: Oh man. I wish I could clarify this, but I've got it. Cortland Sutton, Jerome Ford, Deontay Johnson. So we went all three in different directions here. I do, I do agree with you on Cortland Sutton as the one I know we, you know, last week was a very underwhelming performance, but it wasn't an ideal matchup. And I think we see him get back to the Cortland Sutton that we saw before with the high upside, with his touchdown opportunities, and there's no competition from Jerry Judy, unfortunately. So I lean that direction. It's the first one. All right, moving on to our second flex zone question. It is Tajay Spears, Christian Watson versus versus Trey McBride as well. So Tajay Spears versus Christian Watson versus Trey McBride. And Pat, I'll start off with you. How are you ordering these three?
2: Mm, give me the tight end. Trey McBride, then Christian Watson, then Tajay Spears. Uh, since week eight, McBride has averaged 8.8 targets, 6.6 catches, and 70.2 receiving yards per game. I like Watson, but we just talked about it. He is so boom or bust. And uh, part part of the reason why, his average depth of target this year is 17 yards. Uh, And with such a high average depth of target, it's not totally shocking that Watson has caught fewer than 50% of his targets. Uh, 44 targets on the air, 21 catches. He's averaging 16.7 yards per catch, so there is big Big play upside for sure, but the floor is not safe. Um, and as for Ty G. Spears, he, he just doesn't get enough touches to seriously consider him over either of these pass catchers.
1: Billy, how about you?
3: I'm in agreeance here with Pat. Same order. Trey McBride has been... Uh, phenomenal uh, at the tight end position as of late over the the previous four weeks has seen a uh, sample size of 26% targets seen 80% of the routes um, has kind of been the, the uh, ideal target in this offense. And so he's the tight end three over the, uh, from week 10 and on Um, Trey McBride is the easy start here for me.
1: It is a three-way sweep here. We are trusting Trey McBride, then Christian Watson, then Tajay Spears, I I do a start set show for fantasy pros with Chris Welsh on Sunday mornings. And we talk all the time about how it's crazy, how these tight ends it's wild. It's a year where we are flexing tight ends over wide receivers and running backs. And it's, it's happening week after week after week. And Trey McBride is definitely one of those guys. And that's why we play this fun little game here. You wouldn't automatically think Trey McBride all the time. Maybe you're leaning towards the high upside with Christian Watson, but Trey McBride in the clean sweep for us. All right, as a reminder, you can use the who should I start tool in my playbook. It is great for tough decisions and a full breakdown of everything that you need to know. And that wraps things up for our rankings this week. If you have any questions about lineups, trades, we are live each and every Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, 12 p.m. PST, taking your questions. And if you want to see more advice from Pat, and I know you do, check out his rankings. Just go to fantasypros.com slash fits and make sure that you're also checking out Billy's excellent work on Player Profiler. You can find Billy at FF Museo. You can find me at It's Tara time, and you can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. For Pat Fitzmorris, for Billy Musio. I'm Tara Roberts. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks
0: for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at fantasypros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros.